Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Evan Carmichael, and we're going to explore some amazing ideas on how to create content on YouTube that is for your business, that will benefit your business. If you have been struggling to figure out how to create content that takes full advantage of the power of YouTube and also helps you sell your products and services, well, guess what? This is the episode for you. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show. We've got some great content coming your way. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Evan Carmichael. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Evan Carmichael. If you don't know who Evan Carmichael is, you need to know who he is. He's a successful YouTuber with more than 3.4 million subscribers and more than 540 million video views. His latest book is called Built to Serve and his course is called Brandlytics. Evan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Great to be here. I love it. I'm excited to dive in. Well, I'm excited that we're going to dive into some stuff that we both are passionate about. And today, Evan and I are going to explore how to create content on YouTube that benefits your business. Evan, there are people listening right now who are kind of like I was when you first met me at Vid Summit many years ago, all in on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter 
or TikTok, but maybe for whatever reason, they have not yet drank the YouTube Kool-Aid. So why don't you tell everybody why their business should be on YouTube? Let's go ahead and deal with the people that might be skeptical. Yeah. Well, listen, if you're all in on Facebook or Instagram right now, you are definitely struggling. TikTok at least is a viable case for it. But why YouTube? A couple of things. One, recognize that whatever you want to sell, we want to put education in front of. And a lot of times what you're doing is having these one-on-one conversations with customers. If we can film some of that content so that it hits the masses, it allows you to attract a lot more ideal clients to you. So it's not just about how do I become an influencer? That may be some of this audience, but most of the time I'm dealing with entrepreneurs who have a business. Like how do we make money from our YouTube channel to grow our business? And whenever you put education in front, that's when you start to win. There's a couple of advantages that YouTube has over every other platform. Number one, your content lives forever. So whatever you make right now, this interview that we're filming right now will live in a year, two years, five years. People will continue to find you. And as long as you're saying stuff that is evergreen, that in a year, three years, five years is still relevant, it allows you to generate leads, to make money, to generate newsletter signups, to sell your programs, books, whatever it is that you're selling forever. Where every other platform, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera, it's gone after a week, right? It's like, it's Insta. That's why it's called Instagram. So you're constantly on this hamster wheel of making content. And if you stop, you become irrelevant where your content on YouTube can live forever. Uh, the second thing is YouTube will pay you. They're like, do we want to make some money? YouTube can actually pay you to make content and has the best revenue sharing program of all the platforms, which is why a lot of creators are on there creating. And the third is YouTube gives you the best data to cut up your content for every other platform. And we might dive into this later on as we go, but if you are struggling right now, thinking of YouTube as just another place to be, oh my gosh, you got to be on all these platforms. And now Michael and Carmichael are telling me, you got to go on YouTube as well. It's like, I got a business to run, guys, don't you know? The way to be on every platform is to only make long form YouTube content, right? So 10 minutes, the three hour long content, and then cut up the best moments to be on every single platform. So if you're worried about having your business to run, which I respect and appreciate, then YouTube, you want to think about it as above every other platform. And that feeds the content so that you can be on every platform at the same time. I think of YouTube, like I think of Google search a little bit. I know it's different, but you know, I run a big website that's a blog. And historically, back when I started this site in 2009, it was all about creating content that was what people were seeking out, right? And the more I could create that content and the more Google thought that that content was really awesome, the more traffic they would bring to my website, the more I could grow my email list and the more I could sell my conference and everything else that I was selling. I see YouTube is pretty much the same thing. It's owned by the same company. It just happens to be video. I mean, is that a kind of an accurate parallel, if you will? That's a great analogy for sure. I love it. You got to think when people are struggling to make a buying decision, where are they going to find it? Like, what are you an expert at? The viewer watching this, you're an expert at something. That's why you're an entrepreneur. You're selling your expertise. So when somebody's looking for someone like you, what are they doing? They're going online and they're searching. And YouTube videos are showing up in Google search results. But for a lot of people, people just go to YouTube now as the first place to go to learn because there's so many visual learners. We'd rather see a video than just read text about it. And YouTube has become the default place. This was not the case a number of years ago, Michael. Like when I started in 2009, education was not a thing on YouTube. I'm making six minute long videos and people thought it was crazy. Like that's way too long. Nobody's going to watch this. Now the one to three hour category is the single biggest growth category inside of education on YouTube because people are going 
to learn. And when they see you and you know what you're talking about and they can make that personal connection with you, it's like, wow, this person, I know them. I like them. I trust them. I want to do business with them. I want to hire them. I want to buy their courses and books, et cetera. It is definitely the place now, not for everybody, but for a giant percentage of the population, they are going to YouTube to learn. And I want your videos to be the ones that show up. Outstanding. So you work with a lot of different kinds of businesses and entrepreneurs and creators, and you probably see some of the biggest mistakes that people are making. Why don't you share some of those big mistakes? Because I'm sure I've made these mistakes and I'm sure you used to make these mistakes, but if we can identify some of these mistakes, then we can help people hopefully avoid doing them because you don't know you're doing something wrong until someone like you helps open our eyes. So what are some of the big common things that you see people screw up when it comes to YouTube? Yeah. And and the preface is my expertise is to help people in in education, thought leadership, entrepreneurship. If you want to grow a slime channel or ballerina channel or something, I may not be the best person for you, but inside of education, thought leadership, I'm, you know, among the best, if I'll humbly say is is my, you know, my Canadian coming out. So some of the mistakes that people make, the first is they don't make content that leads people towards a sale. So before even starting off with the content you're making, like, what are we trying to sell? What are we trying to get eyeballs on? And making content that will help us gear towards that. So if you ever feel like I'm making content, I'm making content, I'm making videos, but it's not growing my business. Well, it wasn't designed to from the beginning because you're making the wrong type of content. The second one is people are making too much content that they don't enjoy doing. We're going to probably address this in a little bit later on how to do this right. But the kind of content that you're not making that leads people towards the sale, like give us an example. Maybe you were doing this back in the day. Like what's an example that someone can relate to of a piece of content that they thought might have made sense, but it wasn't leading them towards the sale? Well, for example, say you're a consultant or you're a coach, right? Like you're selling your expertise and you're going to be coaching people, consulting people through the process of improving their marketing. What people will often do is then make a video that says the eight ways to improve your marketing. And it sounds like it might be a good strategy. The problem is I need to see you coaching. So whatever you want to sell, show me the process of you doing it. How well you can deliver a speech doesn't mean you're going to be a great consultant or coach for me. And so we're often feeling like we're forced into these boxes of content creation like I have to make it this certain way. I have to make this talking head video of, of direct the camera, which is often really stressful for people. They have to memorize a script. They're nervous. They're sweating. Where most people are actually better in front of somebody else. Like you're actually coaching somebody else, helping with the process. So what are you selling? It's always the first question I ask people when we're getting started. Okay, so let's pause that because we're going to get into that a little bit later. So the problem is that you're just creating stuff that you think is going to get you some views on YouTube, but isn't going to help your business. That's really the problem. It's not leading people towards the sale. The second thing you were about to say was something about it not being enjoyable. Go ahead and like talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so many of us are dreading being in front of the camera. And it was me too. It was 350 videos that I made until I wasn't completely embarrassed by myself. And so if you want to keep doing anything, it has to be fun. If you're doing it only for strategy, then you're going to lose. Like somebody might say, hey, Michael, start a podcast. It's great strategy. But if you didn't actually enjoy talking to people and and you're so great at pulling out the nuggets and guiding the conversation wherever you want to take it, I mean, it's great. It's a skill, but you like it. It's fun. I do enjoy it. We did a prep call before this. Most people don't do that. It's like Michael really wants to get the best out of every guest. And so unless you really enjoy it, even if it's a good strategy, you won't do it. And so many people are doing it because they think it's a good strategy. And then when they look at, oh, I got to make YouTube videos, it's just this dread or this burden, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this thing. You will not win if you're doing work that you hate, especially long term. And so 
The next trick is to figure out, okay, inside of content creation, there's so many different things that you could do. What would you actually enjoy doing? And let's tweak that. So it's like heart first, and then let's use the brain to tweak the formatting so that it's something that you will enjoy and get results from as well. The other thing we talked about when we were in pre-call, which by the way, everybody, just so you know, we do this with every one of our guests, typically about a week before, just because it results in better output. One of the things you talked about was, hey, this isn't like the other social platforms. So what do people need to be thinking about when it comes to that? Because YouTube is its own little beast, right? Yeah, you need to be thinking that this is content that will live forever. So this content, we need to be aiming it towards in a year, in five years, in 10 years, people will still be watching it. It's entry level. It's 101 stuff. It's not the advanced stuff. To get the advanced stuff, people need to hire you, right? To get the advanced stuff, that's why they're calling you. That's why they're getting on email lists. That's why they're buying your books, et cetera. So it's content that will live forever. The first minute is really going to matter to try to hook the attention, but then long form works incredibly well. A lot of people have this misconception about YouTube when they compare it to the other platforms because like nobody's going to watch a 10 minute video. It's like, well, they will. And, and they'll stick around for an hour plus. How did Joe Rogan blow up? It's because he's making long form three hour videos. That's great content. And so it's just a mindset shift for most people where they're used to things being a certain way. And Instagram, TikTok, pretty close. But YouTube is a different beast that, again, sits on top of them all. I love that because it's true that in the social media marketing side of things, which is traditional like Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, it's all about bite-sized content, snackable content, right? But YouTube is really about, hey, this is like, I want to go deep, right? I want to really, really, really learn something or I want to get entertained or I I mean, in our case, it's really all about educational content. And that's hard for sometimes marketers to wrap their brain around because if they're used to creating like a 10 second story or a 15 second story, and now all of a sudden they got to do a 10 minute video, they got to wrap their brain around that. (laughs) Let's use those skills. Let's put it to good use. So the first minute of a YouTube video really still matters, like matters a lot. So we're trying to target people who don't know who we are. We don't want to talk to our current fans and people who know us. We want to reach new markets. So people have no idea who you are. And so one of the big mistakes that people make when they're creating their YouTube videos is, hey, guys, welcome back. It's me, Evan. Wow, happy, whatever day it is. So glad that you're here. It's like, okay, goodbye. People are tuning out and and they'll fall off really quickly. So everything that you've learned as a marketer to capture attention, your headline and your subheadline and your newsletter subject line, all that stuff really, really, really still matters for the first minute. So the opening has to hook me in. This is not a new marketing language or terminology, right? Like you have to have a hook to make people want to continue reading down your landing page. Just don't stop. I mean, that's the only thing that I want to add on to it. So you have your hook and you're given some bite-sized information. Cool. Now we've got them for a minute. Once you have them for a minute, they will stay with you as long as you're giving value. You have to do something incredibly wrong to lose people to see a, a sharp drop. And so this is where experts can win. And so right now we're talking to the experts of you out there. If you don't know what you're talking about, if you're not an expert yet, you're going to have a really hard time. A lot of people who are going from Instagram to YouTube have a hard time, not just in the format change, but they don't know enough to share for 20 minutes without repeating themselves eight times. That is a real problem. I can't help you with that. Like if Michael wasn't good, I can't say, Michael, okay, you just, you have to get better and know more. But here's what you can do. You can do what we do at Social Media Examiner, which is we bring the experts in studio and we film 
the experts, right? So if you've seen our YouTube channel, it's rarely me. It's almost always somebody who's an expert on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook ads that we're bringing in studio and we're filming, you know, longer videos that are typically at least 10 minutes long. And if you have access to them, for those of you that are not the person listening to this who has all the wisdom, you might have them working inside your company. They might be your customers, right? Potentially. It all comes down to the first question, what do you want to sell? Right. So if you are the expert or you're trying to be the expert selling your thing, I don't care if you have guests coming on. If you're the Larry King asking great questions, cool. But why would I ever hire you? I need to know that you are the person. So it still will come down to, you know, if you're going to sell your events, which are amazing, you have not built the brand around like it has to be you doing everything. You like shining the spotlight on other people. You have this insatiable curiosity to learn from people who are experts at something. And that's what that's you invite to your shows. And They've been vetted through you. People don't just get up on your stage and talk. It's like they have been vetted through you and you've got your process. And so for you to then bring on experts for your show makes a lot of sense because it connects to what you're selling. Depends on the people who are watching this. If you are selling something similar like that, cool. But a lot of times doing that kind of podcast style where you're bringing in guests doesn't end up helping you sell the thing that you're trying to sell. So I always start with what are you trying to sell as an entrepreneur? And then let's make content around that to help drive the right prospects to you. Perfect. So we're into the solution here where we're beginning to talk about how to actually create great content. What do you want to sell? So we have people that are selling e-commerce products that are listening to this. We have people that are selling their knowledge. We have lots of consultants and agency owners that are part of our audience. And by the way, for those that hear sounds in the background, Evan is standing on a little trampoline. <laughs> Am I moving too much? <laughs> no, but I can sometimes hear the springs, you know? I'm trying really hard to stand still. It's all good. It's all good. So everybody is selling something and whatever it is you want to sell, like in our case, we are bringing experts in studio that we anticipate will likely also be speaking at our events, right? So we are shining a spotlight on these people with the hypothesis that people want to learn more from those people and come to our event and meet them in person, right? But sometimes even when I'm doing podcast style interviews and we know we have an event coming up and one of our guests has been a speaker at our conference in the past, I will inject, hey, you've been to social media marketing world. What's it like for those that are considering it, right? So that's my chance to kind of get it out there. But let's zoom in on the audience that I know you primarily target, which is the thought leadership, the people that have wisdom inside their brain, okay? So what are they typically selling, Evan, when you're coaching or you've got students in your program or whatever, or your fans, you know, what kind of stuff are they mostly selling? They're selling consulting generally. Is that right? Or courses? Courses, books, consulting. And listen, just to your point, I said in my last response about the great events that you put on, right? And then we're talking about your events, right? So it's great to have speakers come on the show because we can talk about the thing without ever promoting the thing. Good point. So it doesn't have to be heavy handed. Like it just comes up naturally because that's how we know each other. So if you're selling coaching, for example, perfect. One of the hardest things for a lot of coaches to do is do this direct to camera. Just get in front of a camera in the studio and press record and be eloquent and not be nervous and not have to memorize a huge script is really, really, really difficult for people because your goal is not to be a speaker. Your goal is to be a coach. So don't try to be a speaker, be a coach because I'm not going to hire you to be my coach based on how good a speaker you are. And so this is where a lot of people really struggle. It's like they'll spend five hours creating this perfect script and then spend 20 minutes recording it, and then five hours editing it again, and putting B-roll, and trying to, like, none of that stuff really helps. When we think of production quality, quality is not production quality. Quality is quality of thought. So can you help me get the result that I'm after? So if you want to sell coaching services, show me you coaching. 
the best thing you do is show me you coaching. And if you're really good at what you do, you don't even need much of a backstory. You don't need five hours to prepare with somebody. They're going to show up with a problem. You're going to ask, hey, how can I help? And then you're going to help them. And when you coach, you'll be way more comfortable. Your goal is to get their eyes to bug out. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see it like that. And then other people, you have two things that happen. One will be people say, hey, how do I get coached by you online? Like, can I be your next guest on your YouTube channel? Like, pick me. And you have other people to say, wow, that's really cool what you do. I don't want my story to be on YouTube, but can I hire you? Do you have a paid program? How do I get in touch with you? What's really liberating about what you've talked about is the truth of the matter is so many of us, including me, have had the camera guy and have done the crazy stuff where I'm you know, paying a lot of money to have amazing editing done on like videos. Like I had a course called Becoming Well-Known and I created a series of videos where I was being funny and there was outtakes and, you know, I was just all around the parking lot here at our social media examiner HQ and hired a really top end editor who does television editing stuff and just did all these amazing things. And the truth of the matter is that that was a lot of work. I had to have literally like cheat scripts taped to the front of the camera. I had to make, take multiple takes. I could only do them in like five and 10 second intervals. And I had to change the settings and it was just ridiculous how much work it was. Right. And Evan is saying, you don't have to do it that way. You don't have to do it that way at all. As a matter of fact, that actually might be the wrong way to do it, <laughs> which is what I love. And it sounds like what you are saying is, Hey, instead of creating these shorter five minutes, six tips, seven minute videos, sounds like longer content is the kind of content that we should be creating. Talk to me about that a little bit. Why is that so important? YouTube loves long content and people love long content. So if you think about it from YouTube's perspective, they want people to stay on YouTube for as long as possible, right? I mean, that's the goal of any social platforms. Like let's keep people on our platform for as long as possible. So if you're making long form videos on YouTube, they reward you better because you're giving them what they want. Now, will users sit there and watch long form content? User behavior on the other platforms is not like that. On Instagram, they tried with IGTV. People don't want to sit there and watch a 20-minute video on Instagram. They just don't. But on YouTube, it's a different mindset where they are going to learn. They see this as an education platform. And so, yes, there's music videos and slime videos and Star Wars trailers and everything else, but there's also a lot of rich, rich education, and that's what they want to go and learn. And so whatever you're an expert at, this is a question you get asked a lot. Like, is it too late? Is the YouTube party over? Am I too late to do this? Well, whatever you're an expert at, go to YouTube and search for what you think your customers would ask. What are the common questions customers ask you? Go to YouTube, search for that. See what's showing up. One, there's probably not a lot of stuff there, period. And two, the people who are making it probably don't know as much about the subject matter as you do. And so there's this giant demand for the knowledge and there's very little supply or quality supply, which you could fill the void. So Production quality, I think, over time will become more and more and more important when everybody's on it, when having a YouTube channel is as important as having a website. Like Everybody has a website. Everybody will have to have a YouTube channel. And so when I can't tell the difference between people, then production quality can help. But where we're at right now, there's so much demand and so little quality supply that it's really still just quality of thought. And some of my favorite videos of you, Michael, are when you're walking outside and you pause and you're like going over a bridge or something, you just had your cell phone and you start recording yourself sharing something. And because it's also a window into the person, like I'm buying you, I'm buying you as a human. And that ability to connect, like this is your greatest strength as an entrepreneur, is that I like you and I'm buying from you, not some brand names, not some logo, it's you. And so the willingness to show 
case you, it becomes a huge advantage for you to convert people over to your business. Well, and I have recently started experimenting. I have this other podcast called the Crypto Business Podcast. And I normally just do interviews on that podcast, but I started doing what I call bonus episodes. And right now I'm only doing them in audio and I have a couple of notes and I just agree. I'm not going to stop recording. I'm not going to edit it at all. I'm just going to go coughs, the whole thing, screw ups, dyslexia. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go. You know what I mean? And I told everybody, if you want more of this, you got to let me know. Now I'm not doing them on video, mostly because I'm scared to record them on video, to be very frank and honest with you. I like audio. It's easier for me because I don't have to worry about how I look and stuff like that. But I'm pushing the envelope of creating just let free flow thought of what's in my mind, specifically related to things that I know the crypto curious business community is interested in. So far, the response has been overwhelming. So the logical next step is if we trust ourselves as people who are gathering knowledge and maybe are a little bit further away ahead than some people that are following behind us, if we trust ourselves enough to just turn on the camera, right? And do the exact same thing with the camera on. That content might perform equally as well on YouTube as it would on a podcast because we who are studying things and gathering insight have wisdom to share. And a lot of people like to consume that in video. Thoughts, reactions? I think you'd have a bigger result because you also with YouTube have baked in distribution. You can get distribution on your videos that you can't get in a podcast format. I love podcast audio only. It'd be my distant number two because still the content lives forever. Right. Right. Like people will go back. They're not as religious about like people will go back to episode one, but they may not go and watch and listen to every single episode on the channel. But YouTube has baked in distribution. So if you're talking about something in the crypto space and there's another video that I'm already watching or, or YouTube knows that my interest is around crypto and I've been watching a whole bunch of videos. There's a good chance your video pops up down the side and I've never heard of you and I don't know what your show is about. And I've never seen you before, but because you're talking about something that I care about, your video could show up. YouTube is giving you that free distribution or again, a podcast audio platform. Eh, there's some, but it's nowhere near as strong. So let's talk about, and you already teased a little bit of this, but let's talk about how to create great long form content. You talked about coaching a little bit. So dig in a little bit more on this, like for the coaches that are listening, give some examples of how this could be really easy content for them to create that would actually really help their business. Yeah. And I love trying to integrate it with another win in the business. So if you're doing coaching, for example, one thing you could do is if you have a membership or you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching with people, could you reward them somehow? A lot of people see it as a, oh, like, please come on my show so I can coach you for my YouTube channel. Flip it so that you're actually giving them some value. So if you have a group coaching program, for example, access to you might be impossible or might be really expensive. Cool. So when somebody signs up or if somebody comes back for year two or if somebody passes a milestone or somebody pays a certain amount, then they get access to you for 25 minutes as a one-on-one -on -one, and it's going to be filmed on YouTube. So what you're saying is you could actually either sell or reward an existing prospect or customer by filming the coaching session and actually putting it out on YouTube where it's actually not just benefiting you, but benefiting them. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Well, the benefit to them is not only the exposure, but access to you one-on-one -on -one where they may not be getting it. If you're selling group coaching and maybe you're selling some program where it's 97 bucks a month to be in your group and you've got a hundred people or a thousand people or whatever, access to you is impossible or it's going to cost me a lot, but access to you on your show could be something that I can get. 
And so you're rewarding people for it. So either they pay for it or when they first sign up, you have some limited time bonus that you get to be a guest on the show. Or if somebody ups for year two or gets into the higher tier or ticket of your programs, but think of it as we're selling this as something premium because it's not so much the exposure to the audience is that I get one-on-one access to you. You and your time is valuable to the people who want to be coached by you. And so we now big that in where most people approach it as, please, will you come on my YouTube channel so I can coach you for free and hopefully gain some subscribers, right? It's just a totally different positioning. And if you position like that to reward behaviors that help your company, it makes a huge difference. Real quick, I do think that you could get in the habit of recording all of your coaching for your customers, hypothetically in Zoom or something like that. And then you could ask customers or incentivize certain customers to allow you to publish it on YouTube in exchange for an offer, I would imagine could also be something, right? Because if you're already coaching and you're potentially already recording for the customer, right? I would imagine that could be foundational material that you could use maybe with subtle editing to remove confidentiality kind of stuff or financials or whatever. But could that not also be an easy source of content, assuming you get agreement from your client? Sure. I like to use it more as upsells, at least seems to be more effective as upsells where it's harder to get access to you or position as an extra bonus for people. But yes, I mean, the whole idea is we want to encourage the behavior that helps our business and we're not kind of begging people to come on. Another way to think about it is, can we use these videos not only for our YouTube channel, but in our sales process, right? So if you're a coach, you might have this fantastic looking landing page and website and testimonials, cool, but I still may not know that you're a great coach. So if I sign up your email list or get your ebook or whatever, and then you drip me example sessions of your coaching calls, I have a lot more confidence that you know what you're talking about and you're the right person for me. So not just content for YouTube, great, but how can we also integrate it into our business so that we are getting the business results that we want? You were going to say earlier you were at an event. Yeah, it sounds like you're going there. Okay. So it was an event. It's a high-level mastermind. People pay $100,000 a year to be at this event. We did our pre-call while I was at that event. And there's a guy there who sold his New York Times bestselling author coming up with his next book. Like, how do I use YouTube to sell my book? Say, well, access to you is really hard to get, right? It's like, are you selling any access to you as part of your book launch? Like, yes, cool. Make that a video as well, right? So if somebody buys a thousand books, they get 20 minutes of your time and it's going to be recorded as a YouTube video. Ah. And again, that's baked in at the beginning, not afterwards asking for permission. You could still do it if you forgot, but it's better if it's baked in so they already know going into it. Because what's going to happen? First off, you're going to get some hardcore fan. Like if they're going to buy a thousand of your books or insert whatever number makes sense, a hundred books, 50 books, like we can adjust the numbers. Well, and if you have a huge YouTube channel, that's also beneficial for that person buying that, right? For sure. The exposure could be beneficial. The thing that we're mostly selling is access to the person. You get access to him. He's a New York Times bestselling author really hard to get access to normally. Cool. So if somebody buys a thousand books, he's been doing these campaigns where if you buy X number of books, he'll spend time with you, but it's private. And so if you just made that into a YouTube video, now again, you have content that can go at scale. And what's going to happen on the call? You have a hardcore fan who just bought a thousand of your books. So if I was the author, be like, hey, Michael, welcome aboard. Man, you just bought a thousand of my books. Thank you so much. That guy's going to say, oh my God, I'm so looking forward to this book coming out. I can't wait because your last book changed my life. Like we're talking about the book now without talking about the book. And then we're going to go into a coaching session that's going to hopefully change that person's life. And so I led with the question, hey man, what are you trying to sell? And then let's get content to help us do that. So if you're trying to sell your book to hit the list or you're at launch, cool. 
incentivize people to buy quantity to have time with you that turns into a YouTube video. So everybody ends up winning. Love it. What other ideas do you have to help create great content other than just recordings of coaching calls? Yeah. So if you want to be a speaker, I need to see you speaking. If you want to be hosting events, I need to see you hosting, right? Just like what you're doing here. And there's different content formats depending on your objective. Usually it falls into two buckets, solo videos and videos with somebody else, right? So Michael and I here are doing a partner video, a coaching video, a mentoring video. Those are all with somebody else. When you're doing a video with somebody else, the beginning of the video usually sucks. It's usually kind of setting the stakes and, and introductions and getting to know the person. If you don't know the person that well, you're asking questions, building rapport, which is all kind of boring to watch. So what you have to do is take the highlight moments because you're going to change their life in this video or your speaker is going to come on. And hopefully in this video, I said something that was you know really valuable that we take that and put it at the beginning of the video as a coming up to entice the person to want to watch. By the way, we do that. We do that with this. We will find a short clip. And in our case, it's usually less than 30 seconds of something that our guest, in this case, Evan Carmichael said, that is intriguing. It may be literally making them hang too. We might even just like, what I'm about to tell you is literally my biggest secret, you know, uh, da, 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 boom, cut, you know, just so they stick around or whatever. But we usually don't do it quite like that. There's usually some sort of nugget to get them to want to keep watching. That's essentially what you're trying to say here, right? Yeah. And you're kind of at the mercy of your guest or your client, right? This is the dance that we're doing together and hopefully something comes out. But if you're a great coach or you're a great interviewer, something will come out over the course of that session. And you cut the moment, put it at the beginning. This is not anything new. TV has done it for decades that forces people to want to watch. I would look at the audience retention. So YouTube will show you second by second where people are falling off and it'll instruct you. So to Michael's example, if he's going to lead with some cliffhanger, you test that. You're like, is that a good idea? It could be. Let's see the data. The data will show you. People like the cliffhangers. They're like, no, they don't like it. Don't do that again. You don't know. For solo videos, that's where you can control everything. It's just you talking to the camera. We learned something really interesting I want to share with our audience, especially over on the crypto podcast side of things, because we were publishing all these to YouTube. In the beginning, we had really long clips. We're talking like up to two and a half minutes before the actual you know, beginning of the interview. And I decided to go into the YouTube editor because they allow you to do this and literally just cut down to the most basic best of that two minutes. And our retention graph improved dramatically, meaning the drop off stopped. You know what I mean? Because they weren't getting any reason to keep watching. It was like too long, right? So again, I know what I know about you, Evan, is you're like religious when it comes to testing thumbnails. And I would imagine you've dialed this in because you do interviews also. How long are you typically making your little clip before if, when you're doing interviews and stuff? Are we talking like less than 30 seconds or 10 seconds? Or what have you found, at least for your educational business content? Yeah, usually in like 20 to 45 seconds is what we're leaning in on. Okay. And the thumbnail split testing is another huge difference between YouTube and every other platform, right? You can change your thumbnail. So many people are worried about the launch. When you launch, I have to have the right thumbnail. But when you're launching an ad campaign, you know, the headline you use is probably not going to be the one that ends up winning. Like it'd be silly to launch a Google ads campaign with one headline and one piece of creative. And that's the only thing you're testing. But when we get to YouTube, people just don't think to do it. So for most people, if you've already had a channel, if I'm looking at Michael's channel, his single greatest opportunity is likely updating and refreshing and split testing the backlog of content that he has, all his old videos, changing the thumbnail, changing the title, see what works. And we've seen 15,000x improvement, not on all videos, but in some videos just by tweaking the thumbnail. Since we're going down that thumbnail road, mm -hmm. 
I want to ask about titles. Okay. I think you and I are on the same page here. If the video is kind of flatlined and it's not performing as well as it used to, you've got nothing to lose by changing the title. But if it's doing really well, maybe don't mess with it. What's your philosophy on that? Because titling can re-index, right? And that's the problem, right? So to get the click, it's about 70% thumbnail and 30% title. So if I was going to do a refresh, I'd do thumbnail first to give me the highest chance of winning. But even videos that are quote unquote doing well, a lot of times we'll update those ones too. So how we think about making a shift is we look at impression bands. So I'll walk through it. Hopefully it doesn't get too technical. Most people will think of what's a good click-through rate, right? What's a click-through rate on my video? It doesn't exist. It depends on how many impressions you're getting. So if you're getting a video that has 10 million impressions versus a video that has a thousand impressions, the 10 million impressions one, I would expect to have a lower click-through rate than the one that has a thousand impressions because we're reaching a new audience. If we're only talking to our audience, it should have a higher click-through rate. If we're talking to brand new people who've never heard of us before, I'd expect click-through rate to drop. So your number one video should have the lowest click-through rate on your channel, or at least in the top videos. So then how do you compare click-through rate? What's, what's a good model? And this is something that we struggled with until we came up with impression bands. And so what we do is we divide our videos into similar impression bands. So like 1 million to 5 million impressions, 5 million to 10 million impressions, 10 million to 20 million impressions, and so on up the scale. Ah, and then you look at the average and you're competing against yourself, right? You look at the lowest performing ones in those similar impression bands, and that's what you go and fix. Because comparatively to other videos on your channel that should be serving, in theory, the same audience, they're getting similar levels of impressions, but one is getting 8%, the other is getting 4%. In this case, 4% is a bad click-through rate, and we need to go and fix that one. So in that case, you would potentially, once you've done some thumbnail testing, consider possibly changing the title because that was the original question, right? Yeah. So I would start with thumbnail and then I would move the title. A lot of people have a misconception around titles and how videos are found. A lot of people focus on search and search is not the game, especially if you want subscribers for your channel. Search becomes a game when you don't want subscribers on your channel. I say, well, who doesn't want subscribers on a channel? Well, if you've got a how to unclog a toilet video that's not something hopefully people are subscribing to, right? We're only winning off of search. But for most of people watching here, you want people to subscribe. You're in this for the long term. You've got a big brand you're trying to build up. We want subscribers. And so the way the big channels grow, my channel is maybe, I don't know, 15% search. Like it's not how you grow a giant YouTube channel. Suggested video is where it's at, right? Suggested is number one, should be number one. Browse should be number two. And then further down should be search. So when we're thinking about the game of SEO, I come from SEO, you know, website SEO. The SEO game on YouTube is not to show up for the search term. It's to show up after the video is talking about the thing. So whatever you're an expert at, there's already videos that are ranking. Your goal is to show up with a better video, better quality video, more information, better audience retention, higher click-through rate after the videos that are already showing up. So it's still SEO. And this is where title can make a difference. So if we're calling our video similar to something that has performed really well for somebody else, there's a good chance that our videos could show up after theirs and we start to pull their audience. By the way, that was super awesome. I want to make sure we didn't miss any of the other tips on how to create great content. We talked about podcast interviews a little bit or implied it based on what we were talking about today. We talked about coaching. Any other kinds of tips on creating long form content? I think you were about to maybe give some tips on if you're a solo creator and you're not interviewing other people. Do you have any tips on that? Yeah, so create a template called the perfect thought leadership template. So if you are just speaking direct to camera, here's what you should do to get the highest retention, the best results from your videos. Number one is lead with a powerful opinion. What do you believe that other people don't believe? 
you're talking about marketing. What do you believe about marketing that other people don't believe that they would find surprising or shocking? And your audience would probably do a good job of that because they're used to headlines and split tests and ads and marketers are usually great at this. So lead with that. What do you believe that other people don't believe? Second sentence is give me a little more context of it. So even if you think about like headline, subheadline, give me a little bit more context of what you said, because you hopefully just stopped me in my tracks with your first sentence. So explain a little bit of what that means. Third sentence then becomes what I call raise the stakes. So if you don't fix it today, what's going to happen? So if I don't fix my marketing, if I don't fix my life, if I don't fix my whatever, right, what's going to happen to me? So it makes it more important. This video now becomes more important than me just sitting there in front of YouTube. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to change my life. So powerful opinion, context sentence, raise the stakes. If you then want to do a one sentence just on yourself, super quick bio, not too long, not like a 40 second reel is where people mess up. You on stage and walking out and you in your Lambo or whatever, none of that stuff. Super, super, super one sentence quick. Then story. So tell me a story, your story, somebody else's story, client story, news cycle story, some kind of story. And then we get to the teaching. Really what most people want to do is just teach. The problem is people will not take action on the lessons you're teaching unless they are emotionally connected to you first. So the job of that whole lead up is to build emotional buy-in. So then they'll listen to your teaching and take some kind of action. For the most part, people are great at the teaching. If you're an expert at what you do, you help customers, you know how to teach. But you have to do the whole lead up. So powerful opinion, context sentence, raise the stakes, quick personal sentence, story, and then teaching. Now, inside the teaching, I want you to offer some kind of lead magnet. Because the goal is not just to build YouTube. The goal is to build our business. Like, what are we trying to sell? Back to the very first question. What do we want to sell? And so an audience like yours is probably more sophisticated. They know what a lead magnet is. But we want to give away some kind of bonus PDF, some kind of video, something that we can give away for free inside of the advice. Mm. So if I'm going to give three bits of advice, so I do all that, tell my story. I'm going to give three bits of advice on how to fix my marketing. Cool. After the first or second one, we're going to say, and hey, if you want to know my seven tips to X, Y, Z, there's a link in the description below for free. It's a PDF. Go check it out. And then the first line in your description is that link to the lead magnet. You have three lines before it clicks show more. Make sure it's above the fold so that people don't have to click. Ooh, I love that. And then you give the rest of the advice. If you put the lead magnet at the beginning, people leave because they don't know who you are. If you put the lead magnet at the end, people are, are leaving because it's closing language, like the video is over. So you put the lead magnet somewhere in the middle of the video. So we're getting people from watching to our email list. I love this. One of the things we started doing with our live show is we used to always open with like just a sentence and then a pitch about like whatever we're selling. And then we'd get to the guest. What we decided to do was to add the pitch after the first dialogue with the guest right in the middle of the darn thing so that we get to the content faster. I mean, I think that's the message here, right? Like if you inject it into it naturally, it doesn't sound like it's a pitch, right? But if it's right in the beginning, then they're just going to skip right past that or they're going to abandon the video. And if it's right at the end, like you said, they know you've just changed the topic on them. So you could say something like, hey, and we're about to talk about tip number two, but before we do, I just want to let you know, toot, 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 right? So you have an open loop. And then they know that if they just listen for a few more seconds, they're going to get to the next thing. And then you close that loop. That's really important, right? For sure. And ideally, the more related it is, the better. So it doesn't even feel like you're interrupting the video, that it just naturally flows. So if you could think about it in your teaching, what is the lead magnet that's most relevant to the topic of this video? And then it feels like it's a value add instead of an interrupt. 
She was saying, and by the way, if you want to learn how to do this, I've got a free guide that goes into a lot more detail than this video. There's a link in the description down below. Go check it out. Okay, tip number two. Boom. So it feels a lot more product placement, like it's organically value add as opposed to, okay, let me tell you about a word from our sponsors. Me, I've got this product, right? <laughs> it just works a lot better. And once you get their email address, that's where you can keep giving value and also do a pitch. But pitching in the YouTube video is a lot harder to convert. So the goal becomes, this is high level awareness and branding and education. And then we want people on our email list. That's where we're going to do the selling. Evan, this has been gold. And I know there's people watching and I know there's people listening that are like, oh my gosh, this is totally opening up a new frontier for me. But I also know that there are people listening and watching that want more of Evan Carmichael. So where do they go to find out more about you? I'm Evan Carmichael on most places. You can find me there. You can go back and listen to our first episode. Maybe we could put that in the show notes down below. We talked about YouTube stories at the time, which is still relevant and applicable. But uh, yeah, wherever you are, just look up Evan Carmichael. Do you have a preferred social platform if they want to connect with you on the socials? So YouTube is where I'm obviously making the most content, but it sucks for connection. Instagram is probably the best place if you want to outreach or my Discord, which is just off of Evan Carmichael. Evan Carmichael, thank you so much for being so generous with your wisdom. We are better because of it. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 514. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.